Welcome to A Whole New World with Deloitte, where we will be unlocking new possibilities for organizations. I am Noor Khoury, your host for this podcast. Thank you for tuning in. Welcome to our first episode of A Whole New World with Deloitte. Thank you for tuning in. And joining us today are some of our leading minds at Deloitte from across our business. I would like to start by introducing Anoush, our uh, Deloitte AI Institute leader, uh, Mini Dubey, our emerging tech and innovation leader, and Damien Reagan, our sustainability reporting assurance leader. Welcome, everyone. Thank you. In today's episode, we will be talking about the future-oriented experiences that we will be bringing to Jitex Global. Let me start with asking our first question to Anoush. What is the significance of AI in today's business landscape and how is it taking us into a whole new world? Thanks, Noor. So it is one of the most important challenges and problems of today's time when we talk about AI. And at Deloitte, one of the things we fundamentally believe is generative AI is the iPhone moment for AI. Because for the first time, you are actually having algorithms, having human-like intelligence where you cannot differentiate between a human and an AI. And today it's happening. This would have been unthinkable two or three years ago. And we've had decades of technology progress that's all come together to make this happen. We've had six decades of Moore's law that has enabled massive computing power. We've had four decades of internet with trillions of data. And we've had at least two decades of mobile and cloud to get that all of that power access at our fingertips, right? And therefore, it is uh, changing entire industries and sectors. If you take the example of uh, the recent events in Hollywood, where all the artists are striking against copyright protection and law, because AI is now able to generate stories, poems, uh, and there's even a first feature film, animated feature film, completely written by AI coming out in the next few months. And there's a pending entire industries and sectors. Uh, and what we fundamentally believe are companies trying to adapt. The key differentiation between what was happening earlier in AI to now is the sheer pace of change. Some of this is happening at an unprecedented scale, right? ChatGPT was the light, the, the fuse to the fire, if you will. And after that, in the pace of innovation is surprising everybody. Every other week, every other month, you have new innovations happening, new technologies happening, and companies are figuring out how to respond. And we think this is, uh, there is a law uh, widely known in the industry called Amara's Law. And what it essentially states is, you know, we tend to overestimate the impact of something in the short term and underestimate its impact in the long term. And that's precisely what's happening right now. If you look at Gartner's recent report, it said AI, generative AI, is on the top of the hype cycle, right? And no technology ever can live up to that hype, right? Even doesn't matter how good it is. Uh, so therefore, we are going through that phenomenon where people are overestimating what's going to do in the short term, but massively underestimating what it's going to do in the medium to long term. Uh, and what we are uh, talking to our clients about is to really think about it, this as a capability and not as a technology so that they can actually leverage it to get the benefit of the business needs. 
Very interesting. I mean, as you're speaking, I'm thinking this technology has been around for quite a while. Why is it that it has exponentially you know, changed and is changing? And why is it that now we're talking about AI and not six or, you know, or 10 years ago? You're right. Uh, in fact, the first definition of AI uh, was actually coined in the year 1956. So if you think about it, it's been around for decades, right? Um, three factors have contributed to this now. Uh, and without any one of those three, this could not have happened. The first one is massive computing power, right? The amount of processing power our chips today in our phones have is 1,000 times the power of the computers that sent the first man to the moon, right? Just to give you an idea of the scale at which this changed. That's number one, right? Number two, we were generating about three decades ago, we were generating maybe one GB of data every day. Today, we are generating one petabyte, which is roughly about thousands of order magnitude, more than what we were generating three decades ago. And that amount of data is required to train all of these models. That's number two. Number three, the algorithms have actually gotten smarter. There was a breakthrough in algorithms to actually process uh, language like humans do. So how do we as humans interact with our world? Uh, we have eyes, vision, we have computing power and data now to actually have video and being able to process all of that video. Uh, we hear with our ears, audio. We speak with our mouth, language. We understand our world around us through these senses. And that's what AI has gotten so good at. Vision, language, and audio in order to actually make this work. So those are the three things as to why it's happening now. It's almost like the perfect storm of events that led to this point. Amazing. Mini, tell us what, what is unlimited reality? So no, tempting as it is for me to talk about the technological aspects of it, I really want to talk about the humanizing part of unlimited reality first. Um, I think unlimited reality is about immersive experiences and a deep-seated desire uh, at a human level uh, to be able to live in, in worlds that we are more comfortable with, which would be the 3D world, right? And for a long time now, in, in spite of the proliferation of in the internet, we're still used to the 2D uh, elements of it. So I think um, what starting off started off, say, from a gaming perspective uh, and people getting used to the, 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 the uh, 3D aspect of it, uh, what's happened since then, uh, sort of stealing a, a, a notious point here, about the amplification and the coming together of a lot of technologies, which then has today left um, uh, and enabled our people uh, to create experiences using immersive and spatial technologies. So which are these technologies? To give you an example, we're talking about uh, virtual reality, augmented reality, mixed reality, Generated AI has, has come in and you know, spurred things on a thousand, thousand times more. But also in terms of some of the other underlying capabilities from a blockchain perspective, quantum computing power. So it's all of these different technologies coming together to create a world uh, which we imagine ourselves to be in, which is immersive, right? And much more real uh, compared to our, uh, our lives today. And really at allowing us to integrate our physical and our digital worlds. So that for me is the umbrella 
long-winded uh, uh, explanation, I know, but touching upon the human aspect of it, as well as the technological advancements in the last few years. Could we say that the metaverse is a limited reality or how similar or different is it? So the metaverse is in the sense that it is one of the, the technologies and that fall under the umbrella term, uh, but it is not just that, right? So for me, the, the metaverse is, is one part of uh, unlimited reality or extended reality, but it's not, the, it's not the only one, right? And for the metaverse to come to life, there's a lot of other things uh, uh, in terms of the Web3, in terms of interoperability, all of these things which have, for it to, to really reach its potential, all of these different factors would need to uh, be there. So yes, metaverse is an immersive world. Uh, it is about the physical, uh, the, the integration of the physical and digital world, but it is one part of it. The other part is also in terms of uh, augmented reality and, and, and things. So, Going on to sustainability, why should companies be concerned about sustainability? Okay, well, companies, as we are, are on the planet and we're all exposed to uh, the changes of climate. Uh, we're all contributing to changes of climate and uh, pollution change um, and, and every impact we have on the environment or society and companies are a major contributor of that. So companies have a, a, a social impact, a, a social license in order to operate. But also they have risks and opportunities connected to sustainability and climate change particularly. So as a business, can they secure the supply chains if there is climate change affecting their supply chains themselves from other countries? Their markets, consumers are now looking for different goods, different services for sustainable nature. And, and therefore, what people buy, what people sell, is all coming under this brand of sustainability in some way. So companies need to be aware of that so they can move quickly. Opportunities and therefore risks. If companies are in charge of that and understand it, they can then adapt quickly. And that's what's important. I'm just, just, just curious, though, isn't that with, with all of that, I'm also hearing a lot of things about greenwashing, mm -hmm. right? Where, where does that come into, uh, into the picture? So, so greenwashing is uh, a situation where a company over-exaggerates uh, the, the green benefits of a product or a service, or it's um, hypocritical in that it's saying one thing, it does one thing, but actually does something very, very different. Mm -hmm. So an asset manager, for instance, who is saying it's running sustainable funds but isn't, um, a bank that said it's funding very, very great not, uh, sorry, green projects, but the majority of the lending goes to non-green. So these are examples of greenwashing. So what's important is that the companies are actually transparent about what they're doing, um, and they're not over-exaggerating the green benefits of product services or being hypocritical. And from a sustainability perspective, what are, like, if you think about what are the top three top-of-mind things for somebody who's running a company today? from a sustainability standpoint. Okay, well, interesting. So uh, Deloitte did a survey earlier in the year of the C-suite mm -hmm. and way over 60% of, of respondents recognized that climate change was a, a major risk to the business. In some ways, as I said, at the supply chains or impact staff, impact to markets. So right at the very top, I mean, climate change is, is the big one. Climate change is what's triggering global events in terms of weather change patterns and various things. So it's right up there. Mm. I think there's also questions about regulatory change mm. because regulation is coming in to actually manage some of these, these risks. Um, companies, sorry, countries are making uh, commitments to net zero. And that's impacting industry. Let's say in Europe, post-2035, companies can't make cars with internal combustion engines. They can't sell them, so they have to move to EV. So regulatory change is therefore quite right. big and very important to companies. 
And, and I think sort of finally, companies just need to be aware that sustainability is also actually an opportunity. So this is where the, the, the Elon Musk of the world start building whole plants, whole companies built on, on EV. Um, other companies look at alternative energy as being a new solution, particularly here in the Middle East. It's that energy transition from petrochemical effectively to alternative energy. So opportunities, I think, is, is the third big point. Fascinating. And I just want to add to I mean, because you did talk about opportunities, right? I just feel opportunities uh, come in different forms. Mm -hmm. And we at Deloitte are you know, very passionate and committed to our sustainability agenda. And we also view it as an opportunity to connect and reconnect with our people because we see a lot of pull coming in from a next next generation as well. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, this this whole thing about sustainability and walking the talk, mm. um, I, I think what, what we're doing, quite a bit of it is, is also focusing on the, on the culture and bringing a lot of these things together in terms of innovation, culture, and digital, mm -hmm. and how digital can be an, an uh, enabler. So you're absolutely spot on. Mm -hmm. Just wanted to highlight that opportunities come in different form in terms of businesses, but also in terms of engagement and mm -hmm. connecting and reconnecting with our people. Mm -hmm. That's right. So certainly is such a broad umbrella. Yeah. It, it, it's covering environmental. It's covering social issues, governance issues. It's thinking about how we interact with others mm -hmm. primarily. So I think the point you're making here is very much about how do we as people within the business interact um, on a personal level, on, on a career aspirational level, but actually on, on, on services. You know, we can talk about AI. We can talk about you know, other IT challenges in other parts of the department, for instance, and how they link together and what the market can actually have. So I think sustainability is a way of bringing things together in a way that people haven't really thought about in the past. Mm -hmm. That's an interesting one because in AI, one of the big things that we are, as a community are talking about is the amount of power a lot of these algorithms are taking to run mm -hmm. uh, on these massive power-hungry chips because AI by design is very power-hungry therefore consumes a lot of energy, right? And therefore, part of it is what kind of energy do you use? But also, there's an equal impetus on the people who are developing AI, like our community, mm -hmm. who have to make more efficient algorithms that can run on lower power. Uh, and that's a massive area of focus because as we introduce these new technologies to the world, we have to be cognizant of the fact that it has to be done in a sustainable way. Mm -hmm. uh, so okay. there's interactions to your point, like you said, touches all aspects mm -hmm of uh, an organization and what they do. No, and absolutely, Anushan, on just on that point, right? So at, at Deloitte, we recognize that. And I'm so glad that we're having those conversations uh, at, at, at this stage, right? One of the things that we've looked at is how can digital, and all these digital technologies be a responsible enabler? And this is something at Deloitte, uh, a, a challenge that we, we have called the Chemical NASA Challenge. It looks, looks at how can sustainability, innovation, and digital come together uh, and for for uh, the greater good when it comes to our, our our planet. So you're spot on, and I'm so glad that we're asking all of these questions of ourselves. Makes sense. Even with mm -hmm. the growth. Absolutely. Um, I mean, as we talk about technology and how it enables, uh, how important is technology in enabling this transition uh, for you know accelerating it for for companies and mm -hmm. organizations? Yeah, certainly. So so technology is is key to effectively us moving forward on sustainability. Companies can't just reduce emissions and hope to save the world. Um, they can't just create brand new products and, and hope to save the world from climate change. Technology's got to come in and actually help to the point earlier, as businesses grow, they have to do it in a way that's sustainable. It's not over-increasing the emissions, let's say. 
It's got to be smart, smart moves in whatever happens. So technology is there to improve products and services and to uh, make things more efficient, but also allows companies to better understand what's actually happening and the impact. So I'm thinking here of reporting. So collecting data within the business data, which possibly hasn't been collected before. It's non-financial data on emissions or pollution um, or water use or diversity within the business. These are numbers that are collected somewhere in the business, but not necessarily in a very robust way, mm-hmm. not, in, not in a way where the calculations are, are really checked or the evidence. And, and that's the challenge I have in looking at reporting of companies. It's not what I would call a robust way of doing it. Technology helps to bring in robustness and, and, and clarity and, and, and identifies the evidence. So that's just one way that companies can do that. When they get data, you can start using it. You can start looking at targets. You can start looking ahead at what's actually happening, where you want to go with, let's say, climate emissions, and you can make decisions. Now, there's a tool that Deloitte's developing called Greenlight that does exactly that. It helps companies get data, gather the emissions, create baselines, start thinking about, right, what's our target, and then stress test that to see if it actually works. So that's very powerful so companies can actually start making good decisions and monitor those. And what the decisions allow them to do is to actually take action. And action, they can start offsetting potentially, or they can start thinking of new products, new areas, new operations, and then they can start minimizing the emissions as they grow the business itself. So technology can enable an awful lot of change within business and really help the uh, well companies move forward. Anoush, what is uh, the Deloitte AI Institute's role in driving AI adoption across the Middle East and, and, and globally? I mean, yeah, we... One of the key differentiators, or the founding ethos of AI Institute as Deloitte, uh, that no other professional services firm has in the market, um, is we look at ourselves as somebody who's educating the market on research fact-based perspectives on where AI is and where it is heading. Because it is a very noisy world when it comes to AI. A lot of hype. And the idea of the Institute is to be research-focused, acting as a bridge between all the research and noise that's happening outside in the market and the clients and the business that actually needs to generate value from this. And how do they, how do we bring that to them in a way that we kind of almost carve the path to adoption of AI through connecting the dots between research and application? That's one of our main focus areas. And when we talk to clients, uh, we always talk to them about why something is done the way it is done when it comes to AI. What are the guardrails? What are the risks that they should be assessing and looking at when it comes to AI? Those are things that we are talking to them about informed. I'll give you a very simple example. Um, With large language models that are coming up in generative AI, one of the things that they are not really good at is being proficient in language other than English. In the Middle East, being able to have that conversation in Arabic and in different dialects in different countries is super important. Otherwise, that becomes a barrier to adoption of that technology in the market. And we're actually doing research on, okay, which large language models are really good at Arabic? What models should be using for what use cases so that you're able to get the impact in the market and the adoption in the market, right? So that's one example of how we are bringing that to life. Uh, Similarly, the other area, the other side of the coin is also helping clients 
incubate a lot of these capabilities because a lot of them don't know where to start. They have the, the issues like, where do I start? I get a lot of these you know, texts, you know, people talking about it at a conference, but how do I get started? How do I make it more real, practical? Um, so we helped them with that. So those are two areas we focus on with the broad theme of, you know, driving adoption and generating value because that's what matters at the end of the day. But Anush, just on that, right, because you hit the uh, nail on the head just in terms of, because there's a lot of hype around it. There's also, of course, a lot of interest. Now, one of the things that we, you and I have talked about uh, uh, is in, in terms of how can the uh, un unlimited reality, the, the immersive experience and the spatial technologies that we're talking about, how can uh, generative AI empower that even further? So be the humanizing front end of it, powered by, by AI. And one of the things that, that we are working on is the, the whole concept of the virtual concierge, right? Because for a long time, we've been trying to, you know, the, there has been uh, elements of how do we actually use uh, AI and digital uh, to be able to, to make some of these routine conversations, right? Make it more human. And I think uh, things like the virtual concierge across different industries, you know, it, it could be from an education perspective, it could be financial services. And I think that that is an, that is an area that we want to explore more of and, and across different industries. Would you agree? Yeah, absolutely, Mini. Your point was spot on because AI as a technology can be very threatening to a lot of people in terms of uh, their jobs, in terms of what they do, and it might change entire industries and sectors. Having that layer from a experience standpoint to make it more human uh, and the front end so that people are able to adopt it and also feel like they can evolve with AI. Uh, and as we talk about it in the Institute, we call it the age of width. And I think your point about the unlimited reality makes it really, brings to life that human concept. So it makes sense. Mini, I mean, you were just talking about this digital concierge, right? Um, what is the potential really of virtual reality and you know, what other types of applications can we have? Yeah, so no, I just feel that what we've touched upon is just a tip of the iceberg, uh, right? We're seeing so many different opportunities. So if you look at the, the, the Middle East uh, as, I think with the the facts, the fact that we're talking about the digital economy, right, and that's driving a lot of the the uh, national agendas across the region. Uh, you're talking about transformation uh, in in terms of whole economies, uh, you know, moving away from say fossil fuels to to the to the digital age. That itself is is creating right. And uh, if you look at the fact that we've got in our region, we've got digital natives uh, who are not just who are demanding. Uh, a lot of these these experiences, right? So if you look look at that, if you look at all of these different factors, um, th there's so many different areas, right? If you look at digital twins, so if you look at from a construction industry, we can see a construction boom in terms of all of the different areas. The, the, the very fact that you could potentially, at the design phase itself, understand, look at the simulation and, and understand the impact of a design before the physical construction actually takes place, that in, in itself is not only is that more efficient, but from a sustainability perspective, much better so that we don't make mistakes in, in design, right? So digital twin and the replica of our uh, world, even before it's created, uh, is, is driving opportunities across so many different uh, areas, everything from construction to healthcare. 
then there's also about augmented reality and mixed reality, which is really uh, augmenting our, our worlds with additional data that then allows us uh, to take decisions at, in, a, in a timely uh, timely fashion. And then, of course, we've got the, the whole virtual reality uh, bit in terms of the, the capabilities from a metaverse perspective to be able to democratize uh, creativity um, uh, using things like like uh, uh, block, uh, blockchain at the uh, at, at, at the foundation level, uh, but also in terms of uh, you know uh, empowering people to collaborate better across geographies. So this is where virtual reality also comes in. So I just feel that you know with everything that's been happening, uh, the amplification of technologies, we're really only at the tip of the the iceberg. And with Apple's you know Vision Pro coming in now with with uh, Meta's uh, new Quest Three, uh, there's there's lots more that's going to be happening at, at this space. So watch this space is, is all I would say. So for uh, Mini, I have one question. So when you think about clients kind of embarking on this. What are some common pitfalls that they run into uh, that you've seen and how do we kind of help them avoid those? Sure. So uh, Anush, uh, at Deloitte, um, we call something as, as the, the responsible metaverse, but also then responsible experiences. It's just extending that, that, that thought, right? Mm. So some of the things that when we're talking to clients and advising them, uh, we always say that it, it should be a case of uh, business strategy uh, driving technology. So it shouldn't be a technology for the technology's sake, right? So the use case mm -hmm. becomes that much more important. So that, that's one thing that we always uh, uh, tell our clients. Um, the other thing is it's good to try out from a POC's perspective. So have a proof of concept. Have a minimal viable product or an MVP. So start small, uh, learn from it, and then, then extend and, 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 and scale, right? And that also helps from a, a culture of innovation. Right, so to to embrace agile, so that would be the the second aspect, and the third aspect, and this is something so close to my um, heart, is about not compromising at all when it comes to things like security and safety, mm -hmm. uh, because not only are, are we at an age where everything's happening so fast, uh, we want to make sure that our next generation are protected, right, and we just want to make sure that we've got the the laws, the policies, the regulations, and the tech all aligned to provide that safe environment for everybody uh, to, to benefit uh, uh, from it. So these, for me, are the top three things that we uh, tend, tend to advise our clients to be careful about. And I mean, and that actually brings me to my next question, which is uh, uh, on AI. I mean, how can AI solutions replicate human-like interactions? And, you know, what are the risks with that as well? Yeah, there is, to what Minnie and I were talking about earlier, the there is an aspect of the experience that touches the user, uh, which is the humanizing element of whether it is a digital concierge or uh, an easy to access you know app or a browser, which makes it easier for them to have that interaction. The real unlock that has happened in terms of the model itself and the algorithm itself has been, the ability of the algorithm to replicate a lot of how we see the world. So to my earlier point, we see the world through our eyes. When we drive a car, it's our eyes processing the data, uh, inputting the data and our brain processing it. And that's essentially what self-driving car technology, if you think about companies like Tesla and other companies who are developing self-driving capabilities, 
that's what they're focusing on, which is having cameras, which is similar to input data, and then processing that information, right? When we talk about generative AI and language, a uh, lot of what we understand the world is through language. When we have thoughts, language is how we communicate. When we want to understand others around us, language is how we understand others. Every knowledge that we've ever known is through the medium of language. Now, with large language models, that language problem has been cracked by the algorithms. So it's able to have that human-like interaction because it's able to understand coding, understand uh, studies, for example. If you've seen the recent results of some of the benchmarks of large language models, some of the language models are able to beat a human on law exams, uh, passing bar, because we understand law through the medium of language. And that, now that the algorithms are able to understand language, they're able to understand any subject and knowledge that a human being understands. And that's how they're kind of interacting that knowledge. And that gives us the power, and that power is now accessible through browsers and so on. And when we talk to clients, why we tell them it this is real, yes, there is hype around it, and why we tell them it is real, uh, and they should be thinking about how they imbibe this into reimagine how their business works is precisely because of this fact uh, that it is able to understand the world through how we typically understand and how, how our brain processes. But Anush, I have a different perspective, right? Um, so yes, all of those, those bits about algorithm and, and language and the fact that it's able to replicate in, in many ways, right? But what truly makes us human is the empathy part of it. And hopefully we are some time away from AI being able to to replicate, uh, uh, we are that, a long right? time away. Okay, we, long okay. Time that, away. That, 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 we still, thing, we still have our know. competitive advantage <laughs> when it comes to the empathy. I think that's never going to go away. Okay. Uh, the it, it can mimic, and I the the underlying principle we've we've always spoken about when clients say is is it going to you know threaten you know our business and jobs, and we've said a, a human plus AI is always greater than human or AI. And that's really important to understand. Even when governments try to make laws about this, when when we go talk to you know uh, some of the governments in terms of regulations and asking them to be mindful, we say the the buck never stops with the algorithm. The buck stops with the human, right? And that is our competitive advantage: the accountability, the empathy, and our ability to have that emotion, which is not language. Is our, is our competitive advantage. And we increase that through working with AI. So to your point, I don't think that's going away anytime <laughs> soon. Uh, that's a relief. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I'd say I think it, it's, it needs a while as well because I think it's beyond the emotional aspect. I mean, it's also about, you know, accuracy and, you know, you still need the human to be very much involved, you know. To, through to, the process, to, yeah. yeah. And we call it, process. We, and we talk about human in the loop. When we talk about, as Deloitte, we have a responsible AI framework that we kind of look at through the lens when we talk to clients on this topic. And one of the underlying principles of that framework is human in the loop. Uh, and it's very hard to know. And a lot of these models are you know, hallucinated. Right? They are not as good as uh, you know, the, the data that you feed into them. Right? They tend to hallucinate, make up stuff. And a lot of that is configurable. Right? So a bad actor can you know, say hallucination and the model will you know, spit out nonsense. Right? So a lot of that uh, you know, needs to be uh, governed through that framework and having a human in the loop is so critical to it. 
uh, and uh, our you know responsibility framework which you'll see on the AI institute website kind of talks about how organizations should think about working with ai in the right way absolutely and ashun just one other point right because you talked about the risks uh, i also see a risk coming in from another factor with all of these technologies coming in hard and fast is this whole bit of digital divide right so we just need to be careful um, as the, the pace of technology grows that we take everyone with us on 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 this journey and one of the things that i worry about a lot when i look at say my parents or my parents generation is are we doing enough to take them along the journey are we doing enough to ensure that they understand the impact of these because it's it's i, I understand from a future generations perspective and they're taking it like like fish to water right mm-hmm. uh, but we need to take everyone along on this journey i think that's the the responsible thing to do i was going to say i mean it is very much a whole new world and yes, you know and i mean we really need to yeah we need to go through that journey and go all together and it is important for our clients as well because they are target customers for a lot of clients we work with right so when we talk to them who are you developing this for right who's your target consumer right if your target consumer you can use all of these technologies right ai in embedded in your products but if it's not reachable and understandable uh, and not and the customer is not able to adopt them ultimately they're not going to get value from their customer they're going to lose that customer right so for clients also it's a very important point uh, to say uh, as you're developing these technologies and you made a very good point earlier which is to what business strategy and goal who are my target consumers what am i offering to them and how is this going to help that uh, in order for me to you know grow my business uh, and being able to have that reach that customer on a consistent basis absolutely so we have big plans to be at jitex in a couple of weeks and i think it's um, i'd like to touch upon what are we doing there i mean you know we want to showcase the best we have at deloitte and so if we can just get some insight into you know what are the assets or what is it that we're really going to be showcasing at jitex anush uh, we have quite a bit of uh, assets that we want to tell you know show our clients and all the uh participants coming at jitex it's going to be we are super excited about it uh and as i'm trying to find the right words as we going kind to of talk about this so one of the things we are uh showcasing is as clients embark on this journey of uh leveraging generative ai in their organization uh, to achieve their business goals how can they do that faster and better and we have uh, an asset that we call alnair which we have developed here in the middle east by uh, resources in the middle east uh, for the middle east uh, market which helps companies accelerate the pace at which they can get this to market uh, and much faster than what otherwise they would be able to do right uh, that's going to be super cool uh, and we hope people like it uh, and we we think it's really cool and fascinating so i hope we our customers enjoy it so far we've had a lot of success in the market with it uh, in terms of clients are hungry for uh, you know doing these things faster we always you know business doesn't wait for anybody executives wants results and this helps them get those results faster so we've had really good initial success in the market which we are hoping to uh, you know get that traction in jitex as well um, the other thing is we've kind of doing a lot of uh, assets around uh, what mini and i talked about earlier which is how do we marry that with uh, human interface 
Um, so we are kind of showcasing use cases which are specific to certain industries, uh, whether it is you know, banking, whether it is you know, certain functions like HR, IT, showcasing some of those use cases, bringing that to life and saying, look, these are things that you could actually be doing within your organization to change your businesses today. Sounds really exciting. Mini, are we bringing any un unlimited reality to Jitex? Of course, <laughs> a whole new world, in fact. So uh, just extending Anusha's thought, right? So uh, we're starting off with an asset, what we're calling our virtual concierge, which is, again, made for the Middle East, but for the world, uh, right? And we are going to showcase our virtual concierge is going to support the Deloitte booth. So very excited uh, uh, about that. But what I'm hoping is that sort of uh, helps the imagination and people can look at all of the different industries where a virtual concierge would, would, would come in handy. Uh, equally excited about the, the assets that we have from an automotive uh, perspective. Um, so we're showcasing capabilities from a virtual reality as well as augmented reality perspective. And then uh, we're also showcasing our work that we have from a digital twin. Um, so we're looking at what we have from a real estate because that's an area that's picking up very quickly. We're also looking at digital twins from a manufacturing perspective. So really excited uh, to have all of these experiential uh, uh, demos that we have. So it's, uh, uh, it's about hopefully people coming in and not just talking about the whole new world, but experiencing a whole new world uh, uh, with Deloitte. Amazing. Sounds really cool. And Damien, I know you touched upon the, the, the green light Mm -hmm. uh, assets. Maybe we yeah. can talk a little bit more about it. So it's a very powerful tool, a uh, very usable tool as well, but it allows companies to effectively identify emission data and collate it and be able to then use it effectively to monitor emissions and also start testing different strategies, abatement pathways, which is effectively thinking of different approaches to reducing emissions, whether it's operational or offsetting and all those areas. So companies can actually trial and use the, the tool to come up with a, a strategy. When they get a strategy and they can monitor the strategy and they can feed that strategy, they can make decisions, decisions to make certain investments or reduce certain investments or target different markets, uh, offset. All these things can be done through the tool, uh, sorry, through the information the tool then gives the company. Very exciting. Amazing. So COP28 is happening in the UAE in, in a few months. Uh, and, and clearly, I mean, it's one of the most important events uh, related to sustainability. Uh, Deloitte will be there. And I think, I, I mean, I'd, I'd love to hear how, how you view uh, the role of technology in accelerating the transition. Right. So, so COP28 is a very, very exciting event. 50,000 people will be coming into Dubai um, and, and we'll be at the old Expo 2020 site where this, it's effectively a big circus. It's, it's a, a central area where the governments get together effectively and, and reconfirm and commit to climate change and targets. And then around that, you've got a whole host of companies, uh, NGOs and, 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 and communities talking about sustainability, every, every aspect of sustainability, diversity, um, talking about uh, emissions, of course, and pollution, but also services and companies will be there talking about how they, how they, how they work. Now, technology is going to be fundamental to a lot of the solutions, as I mentioned a little earlier. There's a number of themes with this particular COP. One of the themes is about uh, accelerating the energy transition effectively. So how can we move from the old state of fossil fuel to the new state of alternative? How much faster can we go? And, and technology plays a role in it, whether it's what I call hard technology, so solar or, or you know, machines changing, systems changing, or, or digital solutions to that whole process. That's coming in. The, the second big theme is sustainable finance. So you've got to finance this somehow. So where's the money coming from? How is it being linked to sustainable products or targets? 
Um, so, so carbon markets are being pulled together. And then carbon markets will be based effectively on AI as blockchain. All these sort of technologies are coming in to facilitate offsetting carbon credits, bring transparency and robustness to effectively a new financial system coming through. So those two things, the, the change um, in, in, uh, in uh, the environmental approach, but also the financing of it needs technology. And I think uh, we'll see a lot of technology advances coming out of this particular COP. Great. And Noor, as you know, at Deloitte, we've had a, a head start, right, uh, in, in preparation for COP, but also because we are so passionate about it. So at our D studio, we had a sustainability event. Um, and to your point, uh, we actually focused on how, again, uh, digital and other technologies can responsibly enable uh, sustainability. So we had public-private partnerships uh, and, and the need for maybe um, greater collaboration across the board to be able to bring, bring that to life. Uh, the other thing that we, of course, were very passionate about um, is having sustainability as a culture, right? It's about walking the talk. It's about these little acts that you do every day that'll make a huge, huge difference. And that is something at, at Deloitte that, that we're doing. One of the things that we've introduced is the, the Chemical Nasser Challenge, uh, which is really reaching out to our people and saying, uh, what can we do collectively, collaboratively? Uh, and, and what are the kind of solutions that we can take to our clients that are innovative, that are sustainable, and use digital as a responsible enabler? So um, that, that's, that's the way that we are approaching, approaching things. Amazing. And what about AI? How, how can AI help in this transition? So I see sort of two opportunities when we talk about AI and sustainability. One, through the AI Institute, we've actually recently launched a, a carbon footprint calculator, uh, which allows you to understand how much carbon footprint are you as an organization actually leaving. Um, so it's actually available online to check out. It's actually very cool in terms of leveraging different data to uh, Damien's point and analyzing that information uh, and leveraging machine learning to say if given a certain set of inputs and parameters, given the challenge around measuring all of this very effectively, uh, how can companies actually estimate what's their carbon footprint based on their business parameters today? Um, so that's one way in which we are bringing that technology to help measure some of these very effectively. Uh, and I agree with Simon, which is if you can't measure it, you can't manage it. Uh, and a lot of that data is necessary. And when data is not there, where you have you can rely on some of these algorithms to actually estimate based on certain given inputs to be able to have, you know, uh, somewhere close to accurate prediction of what it end up likely be in order for you to make that decision and action to do that. That's number one. Number two, uh, and we touched upon this briefly earlier, is, which is, how can you actually develop AI in a sustainable way uh, and being having those algorithms to run on you know, low energy and having to consume less and less in energy and making the algorithms more efficient. One of the recent innovations that uh, we are currently experimenting with, we're hoping we bring it to market soon, is having the ability for these large language models which require massive GPUs which are currently hot in demand and very difficult to get a hold of and costs hundreds of thousands of dollars. How can you run those models on your laptops and your phones using your existing infrastructure and servers? And how can you optimize it to run on that, which will consume way less energy for the same output that you want to do? Um, so that's another angle in which uh, I think there's a lot of potential, a lot of potential for to be surfaced. 
And if I just extend your thought, right, uh, uh, because you did talk about the, the whole carbon footprint and how can data be, be available, right? The way that we're approaching it from an unlimited reality perspective is we want that data to be available at people's fing finger, uh, at their fingertips, right? Um, so the way that we're visualizing it, and we, we do have a solution within Deloitte uh, where you could look at, so using your, your phone as a mechanism, you could actually use uh, that and via augmented reality, that data could then be put on, on top. So at any given point in time, uh, you are very aware of the actions that you're taking uh, and the impact that uh, it, it would have. We have a similar solution, say, from a pollution perspective. So um, uh, I, 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 I think it's great that from a generative AI, we are providing those capabilities and the collaboration with unlimited reality where we are bringing that data and that information to life uh, to enable people to take those decisions uh, every day at every, every instant. Our time together has ended. Uh, thank you very much. I mean, it was great to hear about, you know, the AI Institute and what it brings to, to the Middle East, about this new technology and how, you know, how it is shaping uh, our, our new world. Mini, thank you for the perspective on unlimited reality and all of the potential and how we can really apply it back to the real world. Uh, and Damien, it was great to hear about sustainability and about how technology is going to help us accelerate the journey towards the transition that we all aspire to. Thank you for tuning in and look forward to talking with our new set of guests from Jitex uh, at our booth, at our space. So see you there.